episode 180, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 4, episode 12, Hot Potato Soup. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here because I am a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I'm not alone in that fandom. I've been joined by two other fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they are in alphabetical order by last name. Go! Hot potato, hot potato! (laughs) No, don't do that, please. I do not want that in my head. I'm, I'm... It's better than the dark hold, right? Uh, yeah. only slightly. Only slightly. Only okay. slightly. Listeners, you've heard it, you've heard it here first. The wiggles are better than the dark hold, but only slightly. <laughs> but only slightly. And who is this, that voice that's speaking? This is me, Agent Stu from the UP. No and, pasty. And <laughs> along with him, we have. Samantha from North Carolina, and I have to say, you only have to be a parent to make a Wiggles reference and understand it, because I'm at a loss here. (laughs) Yeah, well, actually, I would have known that one because we used that song to play Hot Potato at a um, a tutoring place that I used to work at before I had children, but Uh... now... It has snuck into my house by way of some sort of kids bop wee dancing game. <laughs> it it's it's snuck past the sensors. Let's put it that way. Well, uh, so it actually yeah. is in my house and getting back in my head. And thanks to Stuart. Well, thanks a lot. That's all I have to say. You're welcome, Ben. You're welcome. Hate mail can be sent to feedback at welcome to level seven dot com. But make sure you specify that the hate mail is for Agent Lestu. You know what? I would be glad to have hate mail. So if you send hate mail, just forward it straight to my regular email address, Ben. Just right on, right on through. Push that one right on through. Or I'll just wait until the episode and spring it on you. We will read that one on the air. If you send hate mail, we'll read it on the air. We may have to make sure some things don't sneak by the censors, though. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we won't read everything on the air. Well, this is this but, is a uh, family show, mm-hmm. so keep that in mind in your hate mail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a family show. Keep that in mind in your hate mail. Okay, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. Good enough. <laughs> All right. And on that note, I think it is time for us to just go ahead and get started with this episode. We have a couple news items to talk about. And then we have an episode to talk about, and we have one bit of feedback to get to at the end there. And I believe it's all three of us sticking through to the bitter end. Is that the truth? The bitter end, yes. All right, then we shall do so. So I'm going to play the sounder right now. Shield Intelligence Report. All right, so our information officer, Stuart is here with with the news. So let's, let's jump to it. We've got some MCU 
news to talk about. It is very, very, very strictly MCU news, maybe. Um, <laughs> first off, let's get the thing that should have been talked about a couple of days last week out of the gate. Doctor Strange could get a uh, could get an Oscar. Believe it or not, they are nominated for visual effects. It's not the first time an MCU movie has been nominated for visual effects. Guardians of the Galaxy was nominated, but it didn't win. Here's hoping for Doctor Strange. If you've seen the movie, you know it's kind of like a big thing. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I could see this win- one winning. Yeah. I would yeah, hope me it too. Wins. Um, yeah. And this is actually one of the few ways that science fiction movies can get a- an Oscar. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the Oscars, well, I'm not going to go into that. That's a very long, <laughs> drawn-out thing. And we don't have the time for it. So let's no. keep going. Yes. <laughs> So did you like the music in Luke Cage? I know I did. All of that 80s hip-hop-ish, you know, urban music type of music. Well, apparently RZA, who's a member of the Wu-Tang Clan, is going to direct, or has directed, I guess, an episode of Iron Fist. So it's logical that the 90s hip-hop will be infused into Iron Fist much much the way it was into Luke Cage. Okay, you you meant the '90s hip hop. You said the '80s hip hop well, earlier. Well, '80s into Luke Cage, '90s into Iron Fist. Okay, there is okay. a difference. Okay, I but, will but, take your word for it. Do you know who we're talking about, Ben? I do know what we're talking about. And when we were talking earlier, you didn't mention Wu Tang Clan, and I, I was going to go there, but I wanted to wait. You oh, know? okay. But um, because they're. They take a lot of stuff from like the kung fu movies of of like the oh, Shaw yeah. brothers, and yeah. you know so that's I think that's the connection even more so than than the Luke Cage hip hop connection I think is the that that kung fu-y kind of thing and not I Hong this Kong no no not Hong Kong fu-y. that I'm saying uh, kung fu dash y turning kung fu yes. into a um I guess a a goofy adjective but. An adjective, nonetheless, and so this gives me hope, though, because I, people who know me, know I love genre films and I love cheesy films. And if you want cheese and you want genre, then you watch some kung fu movies from the seventies and eighties, man. You stand on the doorstep and watch kung fu movies. Yeah, yes. yeah, you you will get both the cheese and the genre stuff. But that's this gives me hope because. We have the tone of Daredevil. We have the tone of Jessica Jones. The tone of Luke Cage. And I've been curious. Okay, what the what is the tone for Iron Fist going to be? Well, and they're all very separate. I mean, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but they're all very distinct and very separate. So it's going to be interesting to see what Iron Fist looks like, and then to see how they all get blended into the Defenders. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Last thing. Last thing, and then we'll get right into the episode. Cloak and Dagger has cast its. It's male and female leads. They are two people I do not recognize, but I imagine that's because I don't have kids who watch the Disney Channel. So um, they are Aubrey Joseph and Olivia Holt. I am sure they're on the Disney Channel because that's where young people are actors. So you're saying that not because you know that. I I can read it. Okay. All right. Yeah, I um, I had not heard of these people either, but they look like they could fit the parts. So yes, okay. And I was a little bit curious as to where Cloak and Dagger fit into 
the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, whether they're you know Sony properties or Fox properties or you know Marvel properties. And I went out and searched out a, a link, and Jeff Loeb says, eh, you know, maybe, but the corner of the Marvel Universe is what he said. So whatever that means, yeah. I don't know if we have to cover it or not. Then is what I'm saying. What does that mean? <laughs> Well, That's you said weird. that Cloak and Dagger was going to be on Freeform. Yes. That's an ABC network channel. Oh, well, then that, that lends credence to it. Yes. I, I, Samantha, you've heard it here first, Ben. Samantha made more work for us. No, no, <laughs> no. We've we've been anticipating more work for a long time. She didn't make it for us. That's true. But, That's true. but we can still blame her, I guess. Yes. I mean, we got to no. blame someone. No. But, no. yeah, so his exact quote is, we are thrilled – to be able to explore another corner of the Marvel universe with cloak and dagger. <laughs> and it's not my fault. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I what he's like... saying is, you know, exploring another corner of the Marvel universe. He's saying, Hey, we got these things from the comics. We're going to explore them. Great. That yeah. doesn't mean anything about anything. And yeah, man, I, part of me really wants it to be a part of the MCU because then, how cool is that? You know, but then another part of me is just saying, Oh no, more stuff. <laughs> yeah. But if it's something like, like, as it gets closer, we need to, we need to, to, to do a primer on cloak and dagger and who they are and whatnot. So I need to dig out my, something. my cloak and dagger comics. Cause that is one that I followed in high school. And there was some really weird and fun stories that were going on yeah. with that. But then there's also some really kind of, gritty and and uh drug use type things where they're they're getting into teens doing drugs and teens living on the streets and you know just kind of gritty and and realistic and hmm. yeah but uh. <laughs> i had a one comic where <laughs> these little aliens with planets for heads come flying out of cloak's cloak on these little space scooter kind of things and it's just like what in the world is this but then their origin story comes out of a lot of just you know teens living on the streets runaways and, and different things mm -hmm. like that so there's which is i mean could be connected to the runaways which is on hulu but i think that is part of the x-men universe i don't know well both of them were i mean cloak and dagger at one point were mutants and then mm. there was their origin story has gone through a lot of different different things but yeah. Right. Jeff Loeb, if you're listening to this, please come on the show and walk us through this. Fig <laughs> help us figure it out. I'm thinking this is the Degrassi Junior High version uh, or the Degrassi <laughs> Junior High corner of the MCU. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Well, and that's the one thing is we're missing cinematic in his in his phrasing. Exploring another corner of the Marvel Universe. Marvel Universe. You know, uh, okay. And so that's where so far. I, I think it will be part of the MCU and I'm kind of just moving forward in my mind. It's part of the MCU until we're told it's not. That's yes. kind of the way I'm approaching this one. Yes. Oh. I feel like runaways is kind of the same thing. Yep. Yep. But we'll talk more about that as it comes on. So let's get into the episode. Are you ready for this episode? Yes. Absolutely. This is an awesome episode. Oh, so there's Stuart. He is letting people know. Exactly how he feels up front. Spoilers. Stuart liked the episode. But did Samantha... <laughs> spoilers, because if you're human, you liked the episode too. 
Well, we'll just have to get into it, I guess. Play the sounder, Ben. Mission report. Okay, so the episode was called what? Hot hot potato. Hot potato soup. Hot potato soup. Mm. Hot potato <laughs> soup. <laughs> nope, nope, we're not doing that. <laughs> um, but we are going to talk about this episode because this thing gets its name from the Koenigs tossing the dark hole around. And as if it were a potato, as if it were a hot mm-hmm. potato. And well, I guess we should just get into it. We should just get into it because this is the return of the Koenig brothers and their sister LT. Surprise. Talk about spoilers. <laughs> I feel like if you haven't seen this episode yet, I don't know how to. Well, Let's... I mean, the format of the show is we spoil every episode as it comes out. That's true. I mean, and it's... we've done 180 of them, so yeah, people should know by now. Yeah, we're right. here, we're here to talk about the episode, so we are we are indeed going to spoil. So I, yeah, let's just start with the, with our teaser then, and we can yeah. talk about our feelings that we have from watching the different you know, this teaser here. And so here we go. The teaser for hot potato soup, Billy and Sam twins are enjoying a nice day at the arcade, tossing around movie quotes and trying to ride those scooter things that I look at and just think to myself, how can I do that at all? And then they are interrupted by rushing goons. They kidnap Billy and Sam is left behind. So that's that's our that's our teaser. And I just have to say, Billy and Sam both handle themselves much better in a fight type of situation than <laughs> I ever could. And it was fun to see. I'm just glad neither of them had to do the the, the truffle shuffle because <laughs> nobody wants to see that again. No, no. But I'm they... gonna throw eighties references apparently all night long. So just beware be ready for that, guys. Well it Let's starts go for it. You know, here's the thing. Here's the one thing that bothered me. I can't remember all the quotes that they used, but they were all Star Wars quotes except one. They threw in a back to the future quote. Yes, they did. Well, they were writing hoverboards. Yeah, but that was just so like weird to me. Those things are called. It yes, was just so weird to me because you know they Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Back to the Future, Star Wars. Like, I don't know. He, he, they did. They did later in the episode reference Star Trek, though. Did you catch that one? Yeah. Yeah, but this is when they were going back and forth and yeah. back and forth, and it just seems odd. You know, if you're going to diversify, then you know, do do things from different things, or if you're going to do all Star Wars, that's cool. It just seemed weird to throw that Back to the Future one in the middle there. All right. Little little nitpick, but not a big one. Because oh, it's just a nitpick. This was fun. This was fun. So here's how I kept them uh, kept track of them myself, though. Sam was in a suit, and mm-hmm. just that alliteration allowed me to to follow. Okay, who's Sam? Who's Billy? Uh, Billy was you know dressed more casually, and you know Billy seemed to be the better fighter. That's what I. I kept I kept mixing them up. In my notes, I have marks where I marked out notes. Billy, no Sam, no Billy, no Sam, because I kept in the same scene with the same character. I kept mixing them up. So you need um, one of those, uh, what do you call them, a mnemonic device or whatever? I, 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 yeah. new, pneumatic. I, I have a note. Sam in suit. Sam in suit. That worked for me perfectly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. 
But I just rely on my friends Ben and Sam to make. I'm sorry, that was weird. I just rely on my friends Ben and Samantha to take notes. <laughs> <laughs> and so the scene ends with Agent Coulson. This is Agent Koenig. They've got Agent Koenig. That part was a little confusing. <laughs> well, and that was intentional, but it was yeah. fun. It was fun, but this sets the tone. We are not in as serious of a situation as we have been. We're going to have some emotional stuff going on in this episode, but it's 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 one of those episodes that reminded me of like the one with um with with Fitz and and uh and Ward when they were, you know, going on the mission together. You know, and there's jokes and there's the sandwich and and there's all these different things, but yeah, this this is this is a comedy episode or just short of a comedy episode. Oh, definitely. Well, you have Patton Oswald in it, so you're going to have the comedy. Yeah, I mean, this is wrapped around him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is a uh, a show pa- uh, showcase about what can Patton Oswald do in <laughs> lots of split screen situations. Yeah, right. How and many he's times? Wonderful. We... Yes. <laughs> he's so great. I adore him. I really do. He's adorable. Right. I guess. The case could be a made. Bowl? Adorable, yeah. Oh, adorable. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Not a bull, which is what I heard. No. <laughs> well, let's talk yeah. about Act One then, because now we're going to get into the plot. Okay. Act One. Colson and the team are now on the case to bring, and they bring in Sam to help look for for Billy. And this is motivated because Colson used the Canning Brothers to hide the Darkhold and gave the Darkhold to. Billy for safekeeping and Billy. Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But uh, Sam is uh, Coulson is trying not to let Sam know what Billy had. But again, we'll get into that as well. Meanwhile, Fitz is working with the Radcliffe LMD to find the real Radcliffe. So we're looking for Radcliffe. We're looking, we're looking for Billy. And meanwhile, on a submarine Radcliffe appears to have also been taken captive and is now captive with Billy. And together they fret about torture and talk about the Darkhold. But under the threat of that torture, Radcliffe reveals his hand. He's not actually a prisoner. He's the Russian's ally, and he does not want anyone to get hurt. And he has a plan to get Billy to talk. He's going to get into Billy's head, which he can do, as we have seen, with the LMDs and downloading people's brains. So act one, what'd you think? What do you want to talk about oh, in this forgot, year? You forgot the introduction of an important character in one of the later scenes on what I called the yellow submarine. <laughs> <laughs> Should we wait to it till we get to it? Uh, the uh, Anton guy or the superior. Is he the superior? This is, yes. I don't know. I mean, he says they, that he is a superior man. I don't know if he's the superior. They never called him on, the superior. That's true. But they listed him in IMDb as the superior. Do they? Look, I huh. yes. I have an IMDb page, so it's not like it's an exact you true. Know, 100% credible database. It's like Wikipedia where you can log in and change it, but you have to pay to get in. And usually the only people who pay to get in are industry insiders. Um, yeah. Interesting, though, that 
yeah. he's listed as a superior on IMDb. Because uh, mm-hmm. his name is uh, Anton... Oh, I wrote it down somewhere. I can't find it now. Oh, I wrote it down because I actually got conflicting names with him. Anton uh, Ivanko? And, Something like that. Yeah, because in when he introduced or when he was introduced by name, he was called Anton. But when I also had the closed captioning on and they called him and the closed captioning called him Igor. Well, that's <laughs> that's. Uh, go with what we heard on the screen. Cause, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Ben, let me ask you, is the Superior a, a, a character you recognize with all your deep Marvel history? No, it's not. But, I mean, as far as deep Marvel history goes, you know, I, it's very, very easy for me to have missed someone. Uh, oh. You know, any any kind of C, D, E or F level of character. It's very easy to miss. But I did look up Anton Ivanko. I believe it's Anton Ivanko. Whatever it was when they said it, I looked it up and I found nothing. So deep Marvel history in my brain or deep Marvel history on my Google. It, it didn't bring up anything in the first page of results. I didn't go much further because I was trying to pay attention to the episode. But I don't know if he's the superior. I mean, they say he's a superior man. Uh, or he says he's the superior man. The the quote is, men are the superior machine, and I am the superior man. They sure built him up to be he's a thing. somebody we should recognize, you know? Like, I honestly, I honestly thought when he was, you know, opening all the, the, the liquid and, and cutting the onion, I was like, is that Grant? Is that Ward? Please don't let that be Grant <laughs> Ward. I don't want to see him again. But I honestly thought it was going to be him. I was like, no, he's dead. Is it? Could it be Tony Stark? Could we actually get somebody on screen? No, it's this guy I've never seen before. So that's good. No, Now, you want to talk about that scene, though? That was a great, great scene. Is oh. Because as he's, as he's peeling the onion, he's talking about you'll be removed piece by piece. And I couldn't help thinking about, okay, so we're peeling an onion. And, and you know, you just keep peeling layer after layer after layer. There isn't really an end to the peeling of the onion until it's just gone. You know, and when does it stop being an onion? Eventually it's, it's done is the idea there. And, and Oh, that was great. And then he pours stuff into a test tube and you're just thinking, yeah. okay, interesting. And he, he's talking about, you know, the old ways are simple, you know, and, and, and better and built to last and that, and then he drinks it because it's just simple vodka without vanilla, you know, and he's just all about simplicity and all about, you know, superiority and earning your power, which we'll get into. Were, were, did you? Did any of you think that Radcliffe actually was, or, or had been captured and and was a, a prisoner? No, I did. Did you? I did because part of that goes back to John Hanna. He always, not always, but most everything I've ever seen him in, and understandably, that's kind of limited to the Mummy. Um, he is, he, he always plays the sniveling weasel character and, you know, who will trade a buck for anything. And so I kind of expected him to have been double crossed. I didn't expect him to be the double crosser, but I'll tell you you what, what made me think that he wasn't actually a prisoner was simply that they didn't show that 
like at, last time we saw him, he was with Nadir and they oh, were, you yeah. know, it was just, everything was fine. And, oh, we're going to be all, you know, evil together. And then here he is and he's tied up. And I'm just thinking, ah, oh, they're, I, they, they have gone past and, and, you know, done things off screen. This just seemed a little, a little weird. I'm just glad they didn't hold it for too long, you know, and they did get the revelation in pretty quickly. So it wasn't like they were trying to, to trick us or anything like that. And I like the way that, you know, it, it was just a plan, you know, it was their plan. And I expected that. I thought that he was going to try and get Billy to talk. And then if that didn't work, they'd do something else, which I guess they kind of did. But then when he's like, nope, nope, no hurting. We're, we're not going to hurt anyone. I was told we weren't going to hurt anyone. And, and this is <laughs> just as, uh, as Anton or Igor is, is going to take <laughs> the piece of glass and is like, going at the eye with it and are getting ready to cut, cut at the eye and, and reckless said, no, I, I, we can't, no, no, there's no way. It took a dark turn, like pretty quickly end on a dime. I mean, it was, it, it kind of brought you to this tension, Daniel. I hear Daniel say tension. Um, <laughs> it kind of brought you to this tension and then, you know, released it and that, okay. Ha. Huh. And then he snaps the vial and starts going after the, you know, with the glass in the eye. And I'm like, wow, that ramped it right back up again. Well, here's the thing for me. Radcliffe suggesting that they use his way to get the information. Mm -hmm. Uh, Using that cerebral cortex device that he has, that way sounds so much scarier and so much more invasive than torture to me. Not to me. Not to me. Not to me, no. Well, I, I would much rather have them download my brain and search through my thoughts than go through, you know, having my eye cut. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. <laughs> because if they download your brain and search through your thoughts, you get a puppy. Is what <laughs> yeah, but you ha- also have all of your thoughts and memories invaded. It's just through torture, you could lie and get yourself out. You know, the entire reason why... Um, torture is not so popular these days is because people who are being tortured when they get to a certain point sometimes they will lie to get make sure that they will get out of the torture so it's not nearly as reliable but i I just found it so much more much more invasive than any torture could be i think it's also in the way it's presented i mean if you compare this to uh jessica jones where you know, it, that is such an invasive – what the Purple Man does to Jessica is such an invasive mm-hmm. thing. And it's presented as such, whereas this is – I mean, there's literally a piece of glass coming towards the screen almost, right? So right. you're like, I don't want that. So, I mean, I think it's in the way it's presented and you're doing more than us and you're actually thinking about it. Whereas I'm just like, no, I don't want glass in my eye, thanks. No, I, well, I maybe that's why I think it's it's much scarier because of the whole Jessica Jones thing. Well, it is it is scary if you you if you really think think through. Okay, anything I have in my brain can be taken out. Now, here's the thing with Billy is you know the the only way they're going to get all that information because there is so much stuff that when it comes down to how they actually have to get the dark hold, there is no way a torture session, even if it's effective 
is going to get right. all that information and in the right order. Things are going to get mixed up. I mean, you're talking about what, what five different combinations, number combinations right. uh, yeah. that that Billy has and he remembers. But really, is he going to remember all that stuff as he's being tortured in various different ways? And and under I mean, and. Under duress. duress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the other thing is just the stakes, you know, like if maybe I wouldn't maybe I would hold up under torture if I knew that telling them where this dark hold was was going to be, you know, eternal damnation for the entire world or something like that. Uh, Maybe I would make it through the actual torture. But because Billy's ready for it. He does not want to go through this. He is not. He he makes a he has a good face and you know pain is you know bring it on he actually says and he he throws a first of many lines uh, mechanics don't break we're programmed to take pain bring it on <laughs> right. first of many lines is kind of saying wink wink nudge nudge LMD but, yeah <laughs> right um and plus. He could have given them a a false code that would have tripped a trap mm-hmm. in that vault. So, I mean, right. So this is why actually Radcliffe's method is, although more invasive, much more effective. And more trustworthy. I mean, I wouldn't, in that kind of situation, especially the situation with Billy, giving wrong information would be very easy for him. And... Yeah, like like you just said, giving not just wrong information, but you know, just slightly off information. Because the best lies are the ones with a hint of truth. He'd be able to do that, and they wouldn't know until they actually go to the library where the labyrinth is, and you know, they'd they'd actually have to start doing these things to find out if he's actually telling the truth. And if he's not telling the truth, and they've already disposed of him, they've you know they've lost their source of information. Or even if they've just you know made him rendered him unconscious through their their torture, but well, Anton or Igor or whatever his name is <laughs> feels like he has a really he he knows how to twirl his black mustache really well. So I kind of <laughs> don't feel like he's gonna kill uh, he's gonna kill the Koenig brother until you know they actually have the dark hole in their possession. Radcliffe, on the other hand, I feel like he'd be like, okay, you're good. Doug. Goodbye. Because <laughs> he doesn't seem that smart. Or in the ways of evil overlords, let me put it that way. And he's still kind of flirting with the idea of, I'm doing good things, so don't torture him. Because so, I'm I'm a good guy. I'm here to, to help the world. Right. Don't torture. He doesn't kill people. No. Nope. Uh, now they do talk a little bit about the the dark hole and how the book made uh, Radcliffe a little gullamy. So that was kind of a fun <laughs> little uh, little reference there to our to our Lord of the Rings. But anything else about Act One before we move on to Act Two? No. Um, well, we could talk about um, Sam geeking out that he's with Quake. Yes, but yes. He and Daisy have worked be- together before. <laughs> well, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. Uh, but um, she wasn't Quake yeah. when they worked together before. Yeah. 
And he's, he's geeking out because he's with Quake, and it's just so adorable. Because she's a superhero. An actual and then she superhero. Says, no, I'm not. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that in Act 2, because I think we need to address some stuff here. But right. Act 2, Fitz connects to the code that is in Radcliffe LMD. But Radcliffe LMD seems to have this like fifth generation incredible code that can't be cracked and also seems to be possessed by the Darkhold and also will not cooperate. In fact, Radcliffe LMD gets a little aggressive, throwing out knowledge that he knew Fitz's father. And so while Radcliffe, meanwhile, is connecting to Billy and has a much easier time of it than Fitz connecting to Radcliffe LMD, puts him in a comforting place, most likely involving puppies. <laughs> so that's our act two. We are we have people trying to crack other people's brains. This uh, father thing, this Fitz father thing, <laughs> is that the first we've heard of Fitz's father? I do not remember anything about Fitz's father. I just don't remember anything. Uh, now, it, well, here's the thing, though. This works for me in this context. And it doesn't work for me in another context. But the idea that Fitz just doesn't doesn't talk about his dad because his dad wasn't a very good man and his dad, you know, and he's just not interested in where his dad is. That is fine with me. And I th mm -hmm. actually find it very interesting as a retcon to think through about back in you know season one when Sky, it was all about finding her family. And that's why she was actually joining S.H.I.E.L.D. was to get access to their resources or one of the reasons anyway get access to the resources to find her parents with Fitz, he has all that resources at his disposal and doesn't do anything with it and why not you know because he doesn't like his dad doesn't care his dad walked out on him when he was 10 let him go i that's fine with me the coincidence of radcliffe knowing Fitz's father and using this information, that bugs me a little bit because especially when we consider like where Radcliffe came from with that like underground enhancement bar or whatever it was uh, right. last season. And it, it feels I mean, in some ways, it felt like it was kind of random that they even came across him. And now, well, I also just so happen to know your dad. Yeah. Well, make it make it work for us if if they can make it work yeah let's run with it yeah but it does make the father thing last episode a little less out of the blue no it's still out of the blue but it gives it context now it, it's I not impossible no it's not impossible what i worry about though is that it's um disingenuous or not genuine um, is that it, it's like, Oh, we got to deal with Fitz's father now. Cause we've never seen any of his parents. Might as well. It's season four. Let's start, you know, fleshing out our characters. Um, and I'm not that, that kind of bugs me. And that makes me a little bit worrisome. No, but you know, to get our obligatory Star Trek reference though, <laughs> uh, when we had that episode of Star Trek, the next generation, right after the most exciting episode of, 
the the series at that time with with the best of both worlds and the Borg and all that stuff. And then Picard goes home and we meet his brother, and we well, meet we meet Worf's parents. You know, and, and that's fine. I don't mind the idea of, you know what, maybe we're, we're, let's do a story arc with Fitz and his father. Let's do something with Fitz, and what can we do with him? Well, we haven't met his father. Let's make it, you know, his past, his history looks like this. This is all fine with me. It's just that idea of Radcliffe having known his father and making his father, I mean, his father's so terrible. Well, was he a villain? You know, is that why he was hanging out with Radcliffe or, or is it, or is Radcliffe just using information that he knows about Fitz to get at him? Now, last episode, that father thing that I had problems with before, it doesn't feel like a genuine emotional plea to Fitz to, you know, hey, we're friends, we're friends. I'm like, you know, the father, blah, blah, blah. It feels almost like he's he's intentionally antagonizing Fitz. And he does in this episode. It is it turns into intentional antagonism to Fitz. So I, I'm OK with it as long as it ends up being good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I want it. I want it to be earned, and I want it to be um, realistic in the. I guess realistic in the world, or I want it to feel feel natural. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I want it to feel natural. I don't want it to feel tacked on. I mean, you brought up family, which is one of the best Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes. But the reason it's one of the best Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes is because we just got off of Best of Both Worlds, which was so intense. But we needed this release. We needed this letdown. I don't want. I, I want. I want there to be something huge to then let us into, you know, happy time with Fitz's father. Well, and. Yeah, you're right. What I'm feeling right now is this does not feel supernatural right now. No, two different words, not one word. This does not feel super as in an adjective describing how – no, adverb describing how natural uh, – my brain – it's been it. a long day. Uh, but yeah, well, supernatural thing. Natural describes thing. Natural is the adjective. So super would be an adverb that's describing the adjective. Oh, I see what you mean now. Yes. Uh, this week on Fun with Words. <laughs> this, this week on Ben's fuzzy brain <laughs> diagramming sentences. and Because uh, I'm telling you, I spent all day talking and talking and talking. And, and now I'm here to talk more about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But <laughs> anyway, um, if it's not, it doesn't feel natural yet. But they still right. have, have chances to make it more more natural. Right. And that's that I think is where this will all get redeemed. One of Joss's biggest things, the executive producer of the show, is that if you introduce a character or you introduce um, an awesome thing or a tragic thing. And if you've seen Buffy, you know what I'm talking about in both situations. You got to earn all of that. And you can't just have it be awesome or tragic or new. It has to be earned. Um, and so I'm hoping that this is in line with that. Here's my thing about it. Radcliffe said that he and Fitz's father were from Glasgow, which is not a very large town. And I can attest that I live near a medium-sized city. And it doesn't take long for me to find somebody who knows somebody that I need to get in touch with. 
and he doesn't say that they're close friends. He, the way he describes them are more of acquaintances. Now, if they're both scientists in Glasgow, they will eventually run into each other. So it's not entirely impossible for them to have known each other. Well, the last time they saw each other, he gave me a message to give to you. Is that a lie? Well, I don't think it is now because Fitz unplugged him before he could give the message. <laughs> there, there's something there's something to it there. but we'll And be- plus on top of it, Radcliffe's a bit of a sociopath. So he'll say and do anything he wants to get what he wants. But we're clearly coming back to Fitz's father. That much yeah. we can we know we know. So so it, any any um wild speculation as to who he is, I'm gonna come right out and say I think he's the founder again of Hydra and we will see him <laughs> A be, new a new founder yeah. of Hydra. <laughs> a new founder of Hydra, or the old founder or both. Well a retcon. So a yes. new a new founder, <laughs> but who's been there all along. Right. I saying. hate retcons. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're, it's a comic book show. Of course it's a retcon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else do we have do going you, on here in this act? Do you want me to translate the Latin? Oh, yeah, yes. sure. Sure. Okay. You, you've so done your homework here. Rat, this is this is box. Daniel level stuff here you're doing right now, by the way. So I'm sorry? This is Daniel level stuff. You're 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 yes. digging in here, so let's hear it. Okay, so I'm not going to say the Latin because I'm not good at that. So I'll just skip right to the translation. And there are actually three separate quotes from um, the Roman era. The first one is from the philosopher Cicero, and it says, "I hope that the memory of our friendship will be everlasting." The second one, the author is unknown, but the quote is, that man is wise who talks little. And the third quote is from Caesar, and it is, the dice have been cast. So the question is, is the writer trying to give us thematic clues, or is the writer trying to be... um, or is, Cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> or or is it just Radcliffe being kind of a jerk and pretending to be possessed, but using his knowledge of Latin? Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I think that the, or, the writer of the episode's really trying to hit on those themes or, or what Radcliffe is trying to do. Or is the writer um, being pretentious? <laughs> <laughs> or that, yes. But yeah, while I was researching this episode, I found that the episode um, writer, yeah, the episode is written by Craig Tiddley, and he is actually currently working on a PhD in mythology studies. So he would be studying Latin, he would be studying Greek and Roman mythology, he would be studying philosophy, Um, he would be studying the themes of uh, man versus machine. So I don't know. Maybe at this point he was being pretentious, or he was making Radcliffe pretent- pretentious. Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, honestly, it could just be as, as simple as we need something that sounds really menacing, like something <laughs> out of The Exorcist. You know, because we have the right. dark hole and um, 
but I was surprised. I mean, it sounded like Latin, but um, I was surprised that it actually was Latin. I was thinking it was something from the Dark Hold. I was kind of thinking, oh, some sort of made up language coming at us, but I've never studied Latin. So to me, it sounded like Latin and sounded really a lot like Latin because it was Latin. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I could recognize it as Latin because uh, I've taken a couple of years of Spanish and I actually recognized the roots of those of some Spanish words in the Latin. So, well, then there you go. Yes. The big question being, is this him being possessed by the dark hold? Is this some sort of outside force that's causing him to act like that and say those things? Or is it Radcliffe himself playing on their well, fears? Well, this is Rad bot, So maybe it was just that Fitz hit that Latin section of his memory. Because feel- my... A friend of mine told me about um, what these Latin phrases were, and she said that they're actually just the better-known Latin phrases. She didn't have to really li- translate it. She just recognized them and told me, oh, this is what this means, because it's it's commonly used to teach Latin. Hmm. It, it feels like, um, again, there's a couple of character things that are sort of circling and orbiting around a main thing. And we don't know what the main thing is yet. So I kind of feel like if it turns out that Radcliffe is a Latin scholar, then this all makes sense. If it turns out that Radcliffe never speaks a lick of Latin again, then we kind of know that maybe the writer was being, Oh, let's throw some, you know, weird sounding stuff in there. And he used Latin. That's kind of where I feel like. But if those are common Latin phrases, then they are probably something that someone who is well-educated could come across very easily. Or definitely. Because everybody that I know that is a type A, very brainy, very, very scholarly, no matter their field at some point, they have taken a course in Latin. Yeah. So – there's a part of me now knowing what these phrases are that makes me think this is Radcliffe LMD being a jerk and trying to make people feel scared like Mac. You know, and, I think so. <laughs> because Mac, this bugs Mac a lot. Yes. Well, well and because the other thing this, he does, what happens here touches also on it's very reminiscent of the exorcist. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I think that's what they were going for, but it turns out that they're just quotes. Well, and the other thing it does, and maybe intentionally, maybe not, is that it might speak down to your audience, to the audience. I mean, we're obviously invested in this. We do a show about it. And, Samantha, you're obviously invested in it. You actually researched some of those, um, you know, those quotes, right? But we're not the typical audience for this. At least I hope not. I hope there's more than just us watching it. <laughs> and, um, you know, people who just tuning in on a Tuesday night aren't going to research any of that. So it either, I mean, it, it has the potential to be talking down to your audience and that's no bueno. I don't know Latin, that's but true. I know a little bit of Spanish. That's very bad. Um, and so I, <laughs> I, I don't in know. French, that... il est mal. Yes. <laughs> 
I actually failed two years of French, so go me. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so it, it's not... I, I, I would hesitate to think that they're using it to be... Um, and the character, obviously, is using it to get under Mac's skin. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. Whether the writer is intentionally doing it to get... Uh, you know, to be pretentious, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think he is now. That 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 mm-hmm. part that that's cut out now, uh, because of because of the phrasings that were used and and the way the character acts. Because here's the other thing that happens here: they talk about they're going to make him sing like a bird, and then that's all he does. You know, he actually sings yeah. like a bird. And oh, that's so, true. So Radcliffe yeah. LMD in that situation is definitely playing with them. So now I'm wondering if the whole speaking in tongues thing is him playing with them too. So. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You did mention that. So I think he is screwing with them basically. So now this is the other scene with, uh, with Sam and, and Daisy and he's, you're, you're a superhero. That's awesome. And then things get weird and he starts talking about, MCU people who do fan fiction and drawings and it gets steamy and some people are shipping her with Black Widow and blah, blah, blah. And it's totally hanging a lampshade on things here. You know, it's yeah. like I'm I am I am very certain. I, I don't know for sure. I, I'm not going to attest to any of that, but I'm very certain that there is Black Widow, Quake, Wonder Woman stuff out there that nobody needs to read. I'm just very glad that they stopped short of him Quack. writing it. <laughs> yeah. They stopped short of him writing it because uh, yes. he's saying, you should check it out. No, you shouldn't. I'm like, oh, no, he wrote it. No, no, no. OK, he's saying, no, you shouldn't. He's read more than he should, you know. Mm-hmm. Like as as he's sitting there with the real person, see, yeah. and, and that's this is where things get a little bit a little shady for me, you know, with some of this this stuff and the drawings and the fan fiction and stuff like that, where you know, these are real people who are playing the fake characters, and I I don't know if you've seen the movie Trekkies. But there is some fan art in that movie of characters that you would never have seen them in the show wearing what they're wearing because they aren't wearing anything. And you can't do that on network. Well, on television. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, my goodness, like that is a human being, (laughs) an actual real live human being. And you're creating that art of them because a lot of times we have a hard time separating the character from the actor and so it, it it got a little awkward and I'm glad that they made it feel awkward when, when he was mm-hmm. talking about her and the, and the fan fiction and um, not just you're a superhero. That's awesome. But it is awesome yeah. that she's a superhero. You know, I mean, there is some truth there. Well, I mean, there are, to me, there are two different types of fan fiction. There's the good fan fiction written by really good amateur writers who are on point. They are very consistent with the original material. And then there's the bad stuff or the stuff that's really weird. And it's written by people who are just trying to create their own fantasies with what's been presented before them and, and turn them in their own way. 
So I think that's what what Sam was talking about. Oh yeah, oh, believe me, there's some really good stuff out there. Right, and he wasn't talking about any of that. Right, so he was talking <laughs> about the bad, weird stuff. He was talking about yeah, no, don't, don't go no. there. Yeah. Although I did like that they referenced. I mean, again, I'm all I'm a sucker for the call ups to the movie. So the fact that Black Widow was the person that he was referencing was awesome. They could have easily said him and uh, or Quake and May, right? But they didn't. They talked about Black Widow, and so that was pretty cool. Now, subject matter not cool. <laughs> referencing Black Widow. Cool. I just want to make sure that's clear into the audience. Again, hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, did you catch the other reference that's very meta for the MCU? Uh, which one? Red Dawn. It's meta because in the 1984 version of the movie, it features Clark Gregg's wife, Jennifer Grey. Oh, and in the That's remake, funny, the yeah. yeah, the 2012 remake of Red Dawn, it features Adrian Palicki, who played Bobby, mm-hmm. aka Hey Girl, aka Daniel, <laughs> and Chris Hemsworth, who played Thor. And interesting, yeah, yeah, because wow. they. The, yeah, we also do get the, the Star Trek reference here, too, with the red shirts hanging around. Mm-hmm. Right, um, yes. But, yeah, the Red Dawn, that that's one of those where if you think too hard about some of the stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, but we're not going to think too hard about Red Dawn. That's that's not one to no. think too hard about. But that is a, that is a cool the reference. The yeah. version is better. Well, I haven't seen the new one, but... Wolverines. Yes. <laughs> so this is. We also get some philosophical discussion here before um, he gets unplugged. You know, they talk about what is a human if not programming. Um, you know, and the whole thing with uh, with Simmons and Fitz talking about. Um, you know, there's 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 more. We're, we're we're more than just programming. You you weren't programmed, fits just by by your father basically, um, and and this is there's some interesting conversational stuff going on here uh, that is, we're gonna get lots more of with with Radcliffe LMD talking about. You know, I'm I'm just like you, which makes a lot of sense when you start comparing it or when you start digging into the. The writer and he's in his PhD year and all that sort of stuff. So that's really cool. I really do appreciate that. Yeah. So act three. Radcliffe continues to push in on the father figure thing with Fitz. But Fitz cuts it off before he can reveal a possible message. Mac talks to Simmons about Fitz's father, who was not a good man. Meanwhile, Radcliffe enters Koenig's mind to find out that Billy didn't hide the Darkhold. Instead, he gave it to Sam. And Sam reveals to Coulson that he gave it to LT Koenig, who we find out is the sister of the Koenig brothers and not the acerbic comedian slam poet. I'm not sure exactly what Thurston does, but Thurston is not LT. LT is a 
uh, kick butt at Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> the older sister who dealt with them growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think we can definitely say they're human. Well, well. yes, <laughs> but then there's still references. Could they be clones? Could they be this or right. that? Um, I mean, up until the end when they actually definitively state they were part of the LMD program as technicians. <laughs> uh, what did you think we were? Robots? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they. And yes, yes, I did. By the way, <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't think they were LMDs, but I did think that maybe they were clones, and there were a lot more of them. Uh, but when they mention LT, you know, and then we get Thurston, and and you know, it's a family. It's it's what they're they're uh, the quadruplets. Yes. And the one thing I wasn't sure is if LT was one of them. If they were quintuplets and L- LT just happened to be the oldest of the four. But, oh, I got or the oldest of the five, that rather. She was an older sister and of a, of a separate um, birth. Well, and it very well could be. They, I don't think they spelled it out. But even if she was one of the quintuplets, if, if there was five of them and she was one of the five, the truth is she would have ended up being this older sister type of, of person to them because, you know, these guys, while there's various levels with them as far as uh, how capable they are, they all need an LT. Yeah. They they clearly needed an LT in their life. Now, here's the other thing. I was wondering clones and was Thurston, was this like a multiplicity kind of thing with Michael Keaton where every time he clones is <laughs> a worse copy? You know, like was Thurston just the like the last clone and they're like, oh, we need to stop now. But he's... Because this guy was an idiot, man. I mean, he just... Well... <laughs> now I can't... There's a certain... I'm not going to say it because it's ba- It's not appropriate for the not explicit tag, but it's from Multiplicity. And I every time I think of that movie, I think of that line. I'm going to bury that. So contact me later if you want to hear what it is. But you know In your is, hate mail. Multiplicity. Yeah, email. Uh... I didn't go that route. I still, I mean, up until, and to me, the to me, it's still out. It's still, um, <clears throat> the jury's still out on that because they did say, oh, there was an LMD program already. Knock, knock, you know. But, you but know, here's I the thing. Like... It makes sense that there was an LMD program already because didn't, wasn't this a thing that we've talked about where uh, Tony, when he answers the phone, or the, yes. uh, a message and says, this is Tony Stark's LMD, blah, 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 uh, in the Avengers. Right. And, you know, so there this there was an LMD program. That's cool. You know, we – but I don't think they're LMDs unless they're no, I... saying that to throw us off the scent. But I think this was just their chance to wink at the camera and give us a definitive answer. No, not LMDs. No, not clones. Just – regular quadruplets unless you unless LT is one of them and then quintuplets but they're they're all just part of the same birthing party <laughs> well maybe they, they um if you want to think about it as sort of like a, a preliminary or like a proto LMD program 
that they were studying these quints or, or I'm sorry, these this quad in order to figure out, okay, how do these brain structures vary and how are they similar in order to create another, you know, a duplicate brain. Yeah, and I think that they've still left it open-ended enough that if people wanted to have a headcanon about it, it would totally work. Oh, true, yes. I'm I'm just going with what we've seen on the screen. I'm cool with it. They were technicians, except for Thurston, because that guy was not exactly the top of the heap when it came out. (laughs) You know, when when God was handing out brains. (laughs) So Uh, he was just the paranoid of the bunch. That's all. Well, they all are paranoid, but he was the most paranoid of them all. But he's the one who's saying, "Yeah, you you know, this is a place of peace. This place, you know, what are you doing? You know, you guys are harshing my buzz. Um, you know, he was the most Jeff Daniels of the group. Let's put it that way. <laughs> There's another reference there for Daniel who hates Jeff Daniels. No, Jeff Bridges. Sorry. Not Jeff Daniels. Jeff, well, uh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Daniels could work too, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. In my mind, there's still, there's still LMDs. They were LMDs when you and Daniel first started talking about him back when Ward killed one of Eric, and they're still LMDs now. So yeah, yeah. Poor Eric. So before they go into the comedy club, where Thurston is doing his—it's not a comedy routine. That feels more like slam poetry. Yeah. Uh, you know, Open it, your mind. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It I mean, sounded more like slam poetry. Yeah. Um. But anyway, we have Coulson and May with some car talk. Uh, you want to talk about that? No. Oh, <laughs> okay, so here's my thing that I've resolved in the past couple of weeks. I keep comparing Coulson and May to Mal and Zoe from Firefly. And in Firefly, even its very short run, they established, no, there was going to be no romantic relationship between these two. Right, because it's, Zoe had a had, had was had married, and yeah, the husband was on the show. It was established. This is a man and a woman who are just friends at the most. So I kind of established that between Colson and May, and then I realized this is a different show. So <laughs> I should just relax and let it go. It is a different show, <laughs> but but it still makes me a bit cranky. I don't <laughs> like it. I don't mm. like it. And then it happens the way we've been talking. I didn't think it was going to happen so soon, but it happens. You know, Colson and May, they almost kiss here. And then later they do kiss. And then right when they, when that happens, that's when Colson <laughs> realizes, oh, she's stealing the dark hold. I maybe shouldn't have kissed her. And <laughs> it, it's bad, it, but it's what we've been waiting for. You know, if there's and going she's to an be, LMD. yeah. And so, if I mean, honestly, if they were going to bring up the relationship, one of the things in storytelling is, you know, always have what's what's the worst thing possible that could happen when you know when they go to you know attack the Death Star. What's the worst thing that could happen? Darth Vader comes out in his own ship after them. Well, if Colson is going to start realizing he has this, he has feelings for May. What's the worst thing that can happen? The person that he's actually acting the feel acting out on the feelings with isn't actually her. You know that this is the worst that could happen. 
uh, in in that relationship thing. But I'm not. I, uh, I don't. Yeah. You, when, do I need to repeat myself? No. No. Not a big they, fan of it. That's all, uh, there. It is. I, I I flashed to um, Marty McFly and his mother sitting in a car. <laughs> That's what I. That's what I thought of. It was like, oh, when I kiss you, I feel like I'm kissing my brother. Did you catch that marathon? I think it was on TBS yesterday. <laughs> no, but I've seen those movies enough. I I, I can practically quote them. Okay, I, I watched. I, I watched some of it yesterday. As, as much as I don't <laughs> like them having a relationship, that's not. Uh, no, I, I didn't get that feeling. So I'm. No, well, it, it was so it was... awkward. That's where I was yeah. going with it. It's just so it, it felt awkward. It didn't feel, you know, again, natural. It didn't feel right. It just felt awkward. Yeah, but if we're going to extend the metaphor of Coulson as the father of the family and May as the mother of the family. I mean, that feels right, but no. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just going to say, <laughs> look, I mean, I knew my parents loved each other, but whenever they would kiss, it was not it was it was gross it was gross you know and of course my father always had the same response whenever he would kiss my mother and us kids would be like "Ooh!" and my dad would always look at us with a little grin on his face and say well would you rather that we were fighting and yelling at each other clearly the answer is no but the better answer is we'd rather you didn't do either in front of us dad but i can say that i have been guilty of doing the same thing myself now in front and of, I've yeah. written that kids. down yeah. and we'll can we'll carry on that tradition. <laughs> My parents said the same thing. The exact same thing. So I, I understand. And then when you get to be an adult, you appreciate that they did that anyways. Yeah. Yeah. But still. It was still this, gross when I was a kid. Now and it's this very is sweet. May and Colson. Yeah. So yeah. It's and and to me that's how it feels is okay. I, I I don't see them as a romantic thing, you know, and I don't want to see the romance there. They're obviously putting it there again. I'm just going to have to wait and see. And do they do it? Well, is the, well, does the relationship, does it feel natural? And right now it doesn't, but you know what? She's an LMD. It's not natural right now. So there's right. that too. Well, right. I don't think and between, um, I was going to say, I don't think between Coulson and real May, I don't think with real May she's feeling that because in the last episode, when she was uh, believing Mm -hmm. that she was back in, oh gosh, where was it? Bahrain. I don't have my notes for that episode. But when she was back in, yeah, and and saving that girl, she didn't call Coulson. She called her husband, or husband at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, So... I don't think she's quite there. Well, real May. I mean, real May is trying to escape a really horrific situation. So I don't think she's thinking about making out with Coulson right now anyway. <laughs> so yeah. I, I do have that helping me to, to cope. <laughs> so. Yes. All right. Let's see what else do we have here. I think we should move on to act four. What do you think? Let's go. Doing it. Let's go. So they figure out that Billy probably put the Darkhold in the labyrinth because LT didn't keep the Darkhold. She gave it back to Billy. 
So they figure out that he probably put it in the labyrinth. So they go there while Simmons in a pep talk to Fitz helps him to figure out where Radcliffe LMD's programming is. It's in a light brain built by Ada and the Darkhold. I think this might be what we saw her building in that episode, but we'll get back to it. Radcliffe, meanwhile, finds Billy's memory of hiding the Darkhold and all those combinations and then reveals to the Russians Ada's true potential when they get aggressive and say they want to go ahead and torture Billy anyway. And by true potential, I mean she's able to punch through someone's stomach. Right. But when the Russians come to the labyrinth, the Darkhold ends up getting in May's hands after kissing Coulson. And she pulls her gun on Coulson. So that's our act for a lot more, uh, a lot more stuff happening here. But yeah, Anton Ivanov, Ivanov, that's his name. The Russian is named Anton Ivanov. And we get, we, we find out about this labyrinth thing. We find out that the Koenigs are very entrenched with shield, which we already knew, but including this LT person who I'm liking her. I'm liking her a lot. I don't know about you guys, but I really like LT. I can I really like her relate to her. I like her a lot too. I hope that she remains like just standalone. I don't need to see seven LTs. I just need to see one and I need her to, you know, kick butt very similar to May. So we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can I I can relate to her somewhat because I don't have four brothers. I just have two. I don't have any sisters. So when you grow up in that environment, you have to kind of be tough and hold your own. Yeah, but she's she's more than just tough and hold her own. I mean, she's a really competent of the Kanigs, yeah. the most competent. I would love to see, you know, we don't need to see her every episode. So we had her this episode, and next season, let's have an episode where Bobby and May and LT all team up because they're just regular agents, and they're all great. And, yes. And uh, yeah, so, so I, Bobby I just like her. Back. Why not? Why yes, not? I mean, fine. she's not doing anything right now, is she? I mean, she's not oh, doing her own girl. series. We know that. Mm. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still feeling bitter about it. That was not me being sarcastic about the series. It was me being bitter about not getting bitter. the series. So, yeah. so still yeah. only send hate mail to Stuart. <laughs> still only send hate mail to me. That's fine. Hate mail is better yeah. than no mail. Uh, yeah. I do like the line that um, that LT gave that was Eric died so good people could li- could live and do good things. That's a, that mm-hmm. a great line. Yes. Uh, yeah. So then there's all those codes and everything to get in that labyrinth. That was cool. That was fun. I wonder if those if those random series of numbers mean anything. And and I'll put it here right now. On on mic, if a listener writes to us and has figured out if those codes actually mean something, there will not be anything in the mail to them. I'm just saying. <laughs> they actually have to mean something, though, and they can't just be like, oh, yeah, they mean, like, you know, pickles. But they actually have to mean something MCU. Yeah. So if you can figure that out, I'm, there's nothing, nothing <laughs> going to be in the mail to you. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's this 
Fitz and Simmons having their serious discussion about how he's feeling and everything. How nerdy was their discussion where he's talking about, I'm stuck in this loop, this feedback loop. And, you know, Simmons says, you could have put up a firewall, but you didn't, you know, and uh, that was very natural. I'm going to put it that way. Very natural. And then through that conversation, that's where, and I talked about this earlier, but that's where Simmons gives Fitz the answer by saying, you know, your problems, it's not programming. It's, it's way beyond that. And, and Fitz gets the answer that there's something beyond the programming that's going on with Radcliffe. And it's this actual holographic solid light brain thing that's going on. Very fun stuff, very sci-fi and just very nice little cap to all of this. Am I human? Am I not human? Am I less human than you? Or are you less human? Or are you more machine like me? It's it's interesting because then you also have Mac who com- he's coming at it with a very spiritual side, where he comes to just kill uh, Radcliffe and he says, you know, I have a soul and that's going to continue long after I'm gone. And Radcliffe is just saying, well, but if you can have one, why can't I? You know, what what's what's so different about us? And also, if I don't have a soul, why did you turn me on before you destroyed me? But right. yeah, all of this stuff, I mean, it's very – it's 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 pop philosophy. It's, it's philosophy light. It's sci-fi philosophy light even. But um, it's going into places that I like my science fiction to go in. So kudos and thank you for that. Yes. Yeah. I – I mean, when when he takes the the back off of Data's head, I mean, Radcliffe's <laughs> head. Um, it, it I was thinking about next gen, and I was thinking about those things. I mean, because how many times did Jordy take the back off of Data's head? Like every episode. Um, so, but the thing that Data always strove for, and the thing that they never really addressed, was this aspect of the soul. Right? Was this aspect of if all we are is programming and all we are is a biological program running to its completion and I'm a nuts and bolts program running to its completion, then why do you get a soul and I don't? That's a huge, huge question. Way bigger yeah. than the code numbers. But, you know, I mean, Star Trek Next Generation didn't go there because it was in its nature. I mean, the the background of the worldview of the show is that they have grown beyond uh, superstitions like God and like the soul. And and so that's just, wasn't a question they were going to really get into Uh, this show. We have Mac. uh, Now, of course, Star Trek deep space nine did get into some of that stuff because it did have, you know, these, it was exploring relations uh, and religion, but with this show, we have Mac who is a deeply spiritual character and who is going to think, I have a soul. You're a machine. You know, I, I I don't have any qualms destroying you. It is not murder because you are not a person. You are a machine and you are ones and zeros. Right. And I'm, what I'm saying is I I appreciate that Mm -hmm. um, where I think that's a, I think that's a thing that's lacking in um, modern sci-fi or at least sci-fi that i've seen is this is this pitting against religion or 
spiritual spirituality and science 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 spirituality and science putting them into you know putting asking questions that puts them pits them against each other i think that's an interesting thing and i don't see a lot of that well i i do see a lot of that i i feel like i don't feel like this is pitting them against each other though i think that the the interesting counter was not when Max says, I have a soul that's going to continue long after I'm gone. Radcliffe LMD doesn't say, oh, you think so? Well, no, you know, you, you don't. Instead, Radcliffe LMD says, well, if you can have one, why can't I? I mean, is it what makes you and I so different isn't that we both don't have souls or you think you have one and I don't. It, we are the same in that I could have a soul because I am the sum total of all the things that made Radcliffe who he was with now a slightly new set of circumstances and, and uh, events that have, have shaped me slightly different. And then you get the same thing with may. We're not going to, we're not in it yet, but in, in act five may, when she finally starts being able to talk about what, what she really is, it's heartbreaking to see her. What, where does she go? Coulson can't accept her for who she is. Radcliffe could accept her for who she is, but Radcliffe didn't make her to last, which we're getting back into then Blade Runner, where the whole point of Blade Runner, you have replicants who are running amok and they are going out and they are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And they're going against, uh, you know, the jobs that they've been given, but they are actually striking out against the idea that they were intentionally built to only survive, I think, five years. And then they're going to die. And how is that fair? You give us life, but then you put a, a time bomb on us to where we're going to die after five years. All of our experiences are going to be gone. You know, they're like tears in the rain. Or the dove that Rutger Hauer was holding and let fly. <laughs> so. Unless you're the title character. Or that's, I guess not the title character. Yeah, yeah. The he, lead character. He was a Blade Runner. I think that's what the uh, the Blade Runner, the phrase, I think, is the person who chases after the replicants. I need to watch that movie again. There's a sequel the Blade, coming. Blade Runner is, the Blade Runner is the guy that chases and, and – and, um, oh, I forgot the term. He, he just – he destroys the replicant. Yeah. Yeah. There's a sequel coming. I can't believe there's a sequel to Blade Runner. <laughs> Yeah, well. <laughs> They're doing sequels to everything else. Why not? Why not? Sure. I mean, uh, um, Harrison Ford is basically reliving his career from 30 years ago. Let's, let's, right. let's just face it's it. true. Yeah. yeah he's going <laughs> to do a sequel to Regarding, uh... regarding Henry again. <laughs> yeah. Which, wasn't that a J.J. Abrams thing? Yeah, it was his first script. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he, he could also direct this one. A delivery boy in it too. Yeah. Regarding Henry with lens flare. <laughs> <laughs> so we we already talked about the kiss. We don't need to talk about that anymore. No. Um oh, but I did write in my notes Luke says no as my reaction, so <laughs> Oh. Yeah, just just imagine that meme. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. My reaction was more <sighs> <laughs> Okay. Um I think 
though, I do when when it comes to the Maybot, I wonder if exploring a relationship with Coulson was part of her programming because in order to get to the dark hold, she would have to to get closer to Coulson. I feel like that was. I feel like uh, Radcliffe put that. He realized that there's something there, whether or not they realize there's something there. And he exploited that and made and put her on a path to um, interact with yeah. him in a way that was more forward. Whereas May is probably um, it might still feel those feelings, but very reserved. Right. And there's your your fan fiction. No, your hey. your headcanon. Yeah. Your, it's sure, your head headcanon can. that turns into fan fiction. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't want to read that fan fiction. No, okay. no one does. No. No. Well, no, the people do because <laughs> that's true. They they do, that's, but that's um, yeah. yeah. So I I do think it's kind of fun. You, you're talking about hot potato. I mean, they're literally, it's almost like the, uh, the baseball diamond sequence at the end of the great Muppet caper where they're just like throwing, <laughs> they're throwing the diamond from place to place to, so that the, you know, Charles Grodin and, and the girls can't get the, the diamond, but, uh, it actually almost ends the same way too, <laughs> but, uh, may ends up with a dark hold and, and of course, Colson realizes this is not, May and uh yeah, so act five, big fight, hot potato, Quake rescues Colson, Dark Hole passes from hand to hand, ending up in Billy's hands, then May takes it, but Radcliffe takes it from her and leaves her behind, and it's heartbreaking because she has nowhere to go. And I do have a question about this, and you guys watched it more recently than I did. Not that <laughs> I watched it too long ago. But I might have missed something. But we end up with them incinerating the LMDs. And so yes. that was Radcliffe in there, right? Radcliffe and, and Ada. Ada. Original okay. Ada. But yeah, May yeah. but May LMD is not in the fire. That's May right. LMD that we see at the end, right? On the stretcher, yes. And she is shut down like R2-D2 in, in The Force Awakens. <laughs> uh, okay, because when they're talking about things that are over the image they're talking about we're going to find her we're going to find may and so i wondered well is that real may and just that that's where they have her now or or not but that mm. was that was may lmd that we were seeing she is not incinerated right yeah okay. because real may i i would have thought she was on the submarine yes yeah but that's what it kind of looked like to me I was just, I missed it. I glanced down and I looked up and it was just like this gray place and she's laying down on like a cot or something. Well, so I, okay, I missed so it. She's there and Coulson's on the submarine then too, right? In the after credit scene in the last episode, she is on the submarine and they have uh, Coulson and the rest of the team has not made it to the submarine yet to rescue her. Not so that episode, has no. to be Maybot. Okay. Yes, all of the things that Sam- Samantha just said, um, I-, I agree with. Okay. All right. Although, I'm going to put this out there. I don't think Radcliffe got the Darkhold. I mm-hmm. wondered I- about that, too. But I, 
We'll see. I, I, we'll see. I feel like they because because it was in a bag, right? Mm-hmm. It was in the it was in a it was in the satchel bag, and I feel like Colson is a very smart dude, and I feel like with when um, Radcliffe is going to open that, he's going to find a book of Ulysses. Except, <laughs> except we, I believe, actually see it in the post credit. We do. It oh, is the dark hole sure. in the post credit. Uh huh. Yep, and it's on the yellow submarine. Yeah, it's on the submarine with which... with mm-hmm. real May. Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. And the guy who I think is the superior, who is Anton slash Igor. Igor, <laughs> Anton yes. Ivanov. Yes. Are we ready to talk about the sub credit? Not the sub credit. Well, let's let's yeah, finish this up. Talk- we post credit. We we got the whole. Well, what do we have here? Colson figured out that May's not May, but she says she is the real May. I have her thoughts and all of her experiences, et cetera, et cetera. But she also has that added programming, which kind of sucks. Uh, Quake comes and blasts May. And this is where we get. I, I, this is where I thought it wasn't the real Darkhold, though, is when he gives the book to the Russians in exchange for Billy. And I'm thinking, well, that, there's no way that he gave it up that easily. But then Quake blows it, blasts it out of the way. And, um, but I don't have much else to talk about here. I mean, mm-hmm. they incinerate those LMDs. Ada and Radcliffe LMD are gone. And so all those questions about, am I a real boy? Uh, they're, and those questions are gone with them. Right. It was very, uh, End of Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader fire. Right. I had that feeling. It was um, a did good you, idea. <laughs> did you notice in the post credit scene that they used a lot of sh- screenshots from the first Thor movie? Are we talking Coulson. about it now? Well, I guess we are. Uh, okay, let's okay. go there. This is the this post credit. Is the reason I have watched four seasons of this episode <laughs> of this show. The reason. Because we've seen Colson alive. He's been there. Somebody has to have seen him too. And I, I, I this is the reason. <laughs> this right here. Yes, I am on board. Let's make it happen. Right. Yeah, so <gasps> So the Russians are working with the watchdogs, are working with Radcliffe, are working with Nadir because of the Inhumans, more or less. And the Russians, they think that Inhumans deserve to not exist because they didn't earn their strength. And so this is a guy who calls himself the superior man, and maybe he's the superior, maybe he's not – Signs maybe are pointing to yes, but he has earned his superiority, apparently, but not the Inhumans. They are just given their superiority. And they're going to go after the thing that brought the Inhumans upon us. Now, he said that a couple times earlier in the episode, but doesn't explain what it means. And I wasn't expecting the post credit to define this for us, but it did. The thing that brought the Inhumans behind upon us is a man who is everywhere when something strange happens. And you get the picture of him at Thor's hammer. Something strange on the way to Thor's hammer yeah. happens. Yes. You you get the picture of um, him at the uh, the installation that they had there. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a picture of him 
there's something from I can't remember the episode now. But it there's was, a picture of him on some scaffolding, which was at Thor's hammer, but yeah. it was when um, a Hawkeye was shooting at everybody. Well, or asking did, uh, if oh, yeah. was that? he's asking yeah, or, if he or should asking, shoot. He, yeah, Hawk, or he's about to shoot Thor. Hawkeye is there thinking about maybe shooting somebody. Right. Great introduction to the character. I don't know. I really but, like this guy. I think this is. I think this post credit scene is the beginning of something, which is why I had that huge gasp a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I because this is talking about Coulson in the movies. I think mm-hmm. this is the beginning of tying Coulson back in the movies, so he can make a cameo appearance in the Infinity War movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ding 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 ding. ding, ding I ding. think you're right, and that makes me very happy. Me too. But I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna restrain my happiness, put mm-hmm. it, you know, into a jar, uh-huh. stuff it way down into the, you know, bottom mm-hmm. of my dresser. That's where I'm at. Because, <laughs> because there's no way that's happening. <laughs> oh. I wasn't gonna. <laughs> I wasn't going to <laughs> shatter Samantha's hopes so quickly and so profoundly. And so absolutely, I was just going to say, well, maybe not. (laughs) Samantha, please, please, please keep hoping that. I will. Just don't crush my hopes. (laughs) Don't crush my hopes. (laughs) I'm just, Stuart, all hate mail can be addressed to (laughs) feedback at welcomelola7.com. Attention, Stuart. I am for making Samantha cry. (laughs) I mean, I agree with you, Stuart, but I'm not going to actually say it out loud. See, (laughs) I I definitely think it's going to go a few steps, though, in explaining and and just saying, you know, look, he's there, you know, and, and he's been there and, you know, he's he's. He is – I love that they are considering him the catalyst, you know, yes. and that they are they are seeing him as the causation, not as a result of the strange happenings, but as the thing that maybe is a harbinger of the strange happenings. Or, you know, if you see him, you know something strange is going to happen or has happened. And I, I love that idea, and it's a really – it's a great uh, little bit of a motivation for the, for the Russians uh, and it's unique, but it's using what they've created in the last four years and it's using it to great effect as far as we have this situation. How can we elevate it? How can we get someone coming after Coulson? Well, what if Coulson's their target? Because he's always there when the things right. that they hate are happening. That's a really cool element. And uh, the post credit, you know, sometimes it makes you wonder, Oh, what's going to happen next. And sometimes it makes you say, Oh, okay, that's interesting. But this was one where it wasn't like I was thinking, Oh man, what's going to happen next. But instead it was just me thinking that's really clever. That's a really great place to go. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it got me excited for what was happening without it being like a cliffhanger that makes you wonder who's going to die. What happened right. on the bridge? 
So yeah, this when, is clever because they think they think he's patient zero because they think it's a disease or they they've alluded that this is a disease. So they think Coulson is patient zero, basically. Well, but with Russians, the Russians are seeing the Inhumans as part of a even bigger thing than just mm-hmm. the disease that like Nadir is looking at when she sees the Inhumans. These guys are looking at all of these strange happenings. Thor's hammer falling from the sky. Probably Harlem would be one other thing that they would consider. Uh, you know, Ultron doing the stuff he he did. Now, some of the later movie stuff that was happening, Coulson wasn't there for, although he did show up to to clean up after Thor. But it just it's so neat. I, I love the way that that they're kind of tying all this stuff together. This show is about Coulson. I mean, he is the reason that we have this show. And so this is, for me, excellent. Love the twist here. Now, I will say, when they started explaining all that, I thought we were going to get an Infinity Stone. I really did. I was like, (laughs) are they really going to drop an Infinity Stone on TV? Oh, my God, that'd be so awesome. Well, but we still are missing one Infinity Stone, so it's I know, not that's impossible. What I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, <laughs> I I didn't think it was going to be an Infinity Stone, but I did wonder if it was going to be something like an Infinity Stone. Oh, you know, yeah. just well, we, we it just do... just some big cosmic thing that we didn't know about yet. You're right, and the glove. Well, now they yeah. <laughs> they did cheat a little bit. They cheated because they kept saying the thing that brought the Inhumans mm-hmm. upon us. And then right. the thing happens to be a person, which we don't right. typically use the word thing to describe unless we are dehumanizing them, which mm-hmm. actually maybe they maybe they are. But anyway, well, the, there we are. The timing is right, too, for him to and, and came out. I'm going to get my little jar of hope out of the bottom dresser now the timing is right too so this is what 12 and in an interview i saw with um chloe bennett um sky daisy quake uh (laughs) she says about episode 15 is when the whole thing starts to change so okay they're going after colson the whole thing's going to change in episode 15 um we're going to get uh before Infinity War, we have a couple of movies to go through, but we also have another season, hopefully, cross your fingers, of Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. So the timing is, is right to start building this up to where Coulson does show up in Infinity War. Maybe he is the last Infinity Stone. <laughs> Wouldn't that is. be amazing? <gasps> oh, it's in his head. He's 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 like... Um... Ultron. No, yeah. Vision. 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 Yeah, there was a while. Running on an infinity stone. (laughs) There was a while when uh, one of the the prevailing theories was that he was alive because he was Vision now. And he was actually. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And there was some pretty cool fan art that came out of Clark Gregg as the Vision. It it looked really (laughs) neat. Yeah. I think we need okay. to wrap this conversation up now, yes. though, and we need to get into some of the, uh, well, the one feedback that we have. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, anything else you want to talk about before we we switch over to feedback? Mm, I think. Hold on, let me. 
Yay, Coulson being hunted by uh by bad guys. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, I forgot to mention that when they talked about uh shipping Quake with Black Widow that and they called it Quack, my response was not words, it was a um crying laughing emoji. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've seen it in other, I just I've got that, and yeah, I've seen it uh, in other um, shows where fans will put together, will ship two characters that are not romantically involved at all, <laughs> and it just seems like out of the blue. Yeah, like yeah, uh, I, I just got the the quack thing. Okay, quack. <laughs> all right, well, let's do some uh, listener feedback, and and then we'll close this one down. Shield Field Report. All right. So our feedback comes from another podcaster and a friend of the podcast, uh, Agent Mark, who does a podcast uh, called Mark's Mess, which I recommend you guys checking out. He does some comic stuff, but he also does a podcast thing with uh, about his I think it's his grandfather who wrote letters during World War One. And it's 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 a pretty cool thing. So. At last, season four of Agents of Shields hits. Agents of Shield hits the main the, the main streets. At last, season four of Agents of Shield hits the mean streets of the UK. To tell you the truth, I am not that excited for it. I don't think there has been a season as good as season one, mainly because of the shared universe that sold me on the series is not there anymore. Yes, you can play the drinking game where you take a sip of tea when they mention something from the films. But that is not the same. I would have thought that a great way to go after Civil War was to have a new man take on the mantle of Captain America and have the agents involved because he is not stable and needs to be taken down when he goes after the watchdogs after he learns they killed his parents. I think Ben knows where I'm getting this from. And Ben does know where he's getting it from. It is the Captain America graphic novel collection called The Captain. It's a collection that from the 80s is good anyway back to agent mark uh, but no we have ghost rider in a car i do hope this is a good season and that the head of shield is not grant resurrected i hope there is plot and the lmds are not a disappointment there are two reasons i watch the show firstly that junior agent charlotte is watching that is a bit of agent daddy slash junior agent daughter bonding and secondly that your show is so good it makes me like the agents of shield that much more keep up the good work fill in the forms and use your x-ray hand responsibly from agent mark level mauve with a hint of spring lemon <laughs> that's cute so yeah i'll be curious to see what mark thinks as they continue uh through season four but uh, maybe we should warn him that there's some dark stuff ahead because i can't remember how old charlotte is but she's not very old anyway well, I'll, Mark, I'll, when I'll. you get <laughs> when you get to this episode, I want to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah. So yeah. me too. I have also when you get to this episode, hopefully maybe we've heard from you a couple more times as you've been watching through the season. So right. yeah. Well, and as much as I enjoyed Brett Dalton on this show, it was time to retire Ward permanently. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> a comic book show <laughs> no one's gone till they're gone yeah but sometimes you can beat a dead horse too much you know that's true i yeah 
I, I miss Brett Dalton. I'll just put it that oh. way. You know, I mean, he, he was, was he was good, and he got better and better as they were asking him to do more and more over the top kind of stuff. He was getting better at it anyway. It was mm-hmm. it was yes. good. It was good. So Samantha Stewart, then, do you have any any final words before we roll credits and say goodbye for the evening? I'm yes, good. Please. Please send hate mail to me because I <laughs> would like mail. I just want mail. I don't care <laughs> if it's hate mail. Just send yeah. me the mail, please. Yeah. If you hate me, it just shows me how much you like me. Hate is I'm... a form of love. Okay. So I just want to leave this on a note. I want us to just talk about why we podcast and and why we feel like we can sit here and and tell people uh, what we think about things. And, and the reason I feel like I have something worth sharing to the world is because my mind is a steel trap inside of a sealed box surrounded by quicksand. Whoa, is that a puppy? Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Hate is a form of love. I've got a question. (laughs) Yeah. All throughout this recording, my cat is right behind me on my bed, and he is sleeping, and he is snoring. Have you picked up on any of it? Because I have been (laughs) trying to stop myself from laughing this entire episode because I can hear it. Any hate mail for Samantha's (laughs) snoring cat, please send a feedback at welcometolevel7.com. Um, I've been trying so hard not to bust out laughing because it's kind of very loud. <clears throat> I haven't heard anything. Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs>